Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Swim How's it going? Welcome to Swim Podcast, episode number 15. I'm Daniel P. Carter, and my guest on uh, Someone Who Isn't Me this week is Ben Weinman of the Dillinger Escape Plan, Giraffe Tongue Orchestra, and Party Smasher, Inc. Um, I know previously that I said on the, at the end of the last episode that it was going to be an interview that I did with Marilyn Manson a little while ago to celebrate the anniversary of Antichrist Superstar, but I feel like that window's kind of done now. The anniversary was was about a month ago now. Um, and also I was in Tokyo recently and I hung out with Manson and, and we started talking a little bit about his new album which is coming out at the start of next year called Seiten and as he's put like a video online now and it's the first taste of, of that new music I feel like maybe looking back was probably not the way to go for the podcast because I, I definitely want to do a podcast with him but I'd rather do one um, about the new album so it's more up to date and current and I know that a lot of people were excited about the Manson one. I apologise. Also, I'd said that I was going to run the interview that I did with Geordie in conjunction with that. And that seems kind of a pointless exercise as well if I'm going to redo another one. So hopefully I'll get to do an interview with Geordie at another point as well. Because I saw him briefly in Tokyo. Really briefly, in fact, it was midway through uh, the Marilyn Manson set when they were playing at Knotfest, Japan. So, yeah, it was super brief. He was like, oh, what's up? I didn't know you were coming. Cool. Um, so hopefully uh, I'll get to do a new interview with him at some point. But also the Manson one is going to happen, I guess, as soon as I get out to L.A. next, I suppose. So anyway, that aside, don't cry, dear friends, because the one with Ben is wicked. We talk about the new Dillinger Escape Plan album, Dissociation, and about, well, more about the actual announcement that was made before the album came out, which was that this was going to be the band's last album and that they were going to break up. So um, I just sat down and we had a conversation about how he feels about that and what that might mean and how that affected the writing amongst the band and also a little bit about Giraffe Tongue Orchestra, a little bit about Party Smasher, which is this multi-venture sort of thing that he's doing, and also a little bit about um, his foray into the world of management, where he's managing um, an artist called Kimbra, who's awesome. So yeah, Swim Podcast, episode number 15, Ben Weinman. Check it out. We've said about doing this for a while, and every time we talk in another capacity, like if I talk to you from work... Mm-hmm. We'll speak for like ten minutes right, about, about what is the thing, thing and then we'll, and then and then we talk for like right. however long anyway, talking about all the other shenanigans. So it feels weird to now try and do something that is in between those two things. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Totally. So we should use the album as the kickoff point. Yeah, I think shoot off. You know, I haven't lived with it. And as you said before we started, you, it's not one of the. Yeah. You're not that band where you can just go. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that's that's something I find interesting, like because the the amount of times where I've said to you about like the kind of Mars attacks bits, and I, I hope you don't think that I'm taking the piss. Because <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I find it weird, like hard to comprehend the balance between the kind of mathematical, sort of cerebral side of the music you make, and finding that balance to then balance it out with the visceral, emotional side of it yeah and i think you do it every time that's a good question yeah i mean that's i feel like what differentiates us or i hope from other technical bands is that yeah but yeah of course but aside from the fact that you were there before those bands Mm. i mean that's always going to 
be a huge factor in that as well but that's the other thing is that that it's not yeah there's there's emotional weight to it mm. and and striking that balance must be difficult uh god you know it's 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 not difficult honestly um okay we never i think we start off from a point of like the ideas we're working on or i'm working on or i'm in the basement with our drummer jamming on start from emotional part you know they start from energy and summoning some kind of old punk vibe or metal thing that really mm. meant something to me uh, when I, music was the soundtrack of my life when i was a young person and going for a vibe or going for some kind of energy that i need and then pushing it farther and farther and farther and farther and farther um yeah. And so it starts out from a from a feeling, and then as we get as writers desensitized to it, we continue to write and write, write. So like, we're often working on the first song we started working on at the same time that we're working on the last song that we end up doing for the album. So like, these songs just continue to evolve and evolve and evolve. So some of the stuff that's like almost uncomprehensibly complex rhythmically or whatever mm. started out reasonably complex <laughs> yeah. you know uh and then because it became second nature to us and not really um uncomfortable anymore we kept pushing it yeah. throughout this writing cycle but it always started from a place of we could see ourselves playing this live it has motion it has energy hmm. well it's interesting as well because then it makes me think about if you're start. it's like anything it's like making a painting i guess it's like when do you know that you're done when does it when is it finished mm. especially when you like like on this record, like on all the records, but the way it, the way it jumps because it's like I, I look at your band in in the sense that it's like, and this might be overthinking it a bit, but you know it's like it's like a like a musical equivalent of like a like Burroughs cut up in in a way. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it, it feels like it the things that would normally be so jarring the way it will jump between actual moods and forms of music that would that, that would be like j jarring in a way that would make it that would just sound i don't mean it sounds contrived like or yeah 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 you know, it doesn't yeah. like i don't mean it sound like it's cobbled together what i actually mean is is like the way cup was done that it, it actually became its own thing because yeah. it was so jarring right you know what i'm the saying combination it, of the jarring yeah and it, it and it was it, and yeah. it's so artful thank you i mean that was the goal of the band from the beginning yeah we started the band uh i had already been completely desensitized to metal and punk by the time i started dillinger yeah um i'd listened to every single underground death metal album i could order online or not online at times through catalogs and yeah. <laughs> you know things like that i had listened to all the three chord punk stuff that uh was exciting after that because it had more energy it was more visceral or it had some kind of message um and then by the time Tillinger had started, new metal had become the big thing, like mm. Limp Bizkit and Corn um, and all that stuff. So there was music that was have fairly heavy and some screaming and all that stuff in the mainstream already. And um, I was, not only was I kind of desensitized by extremely fast double bass and blast beats, <laughs> you know, like that was not jarring anymore to me. Yeah. Um, but... I was only listening to still like very underground fusion and electronic music, yeah. uh, IDM music, and you know Mahavishnu Orchestra and and uh, Felonious Monk and stuff like that. So I had this background of metal and punk, which I like liked the uh, the environment that it came from. I liked that it was it was what jazz was when jazz started. You know, it was stuff your parents didn't like. You know, it was. Yeah. It was it was conf confrontational. It was jarring. It was uncomfortable. It pushed limits. Um, so I liked wh what metal and all that stuff came from. But I was listening to much different music than was going on. So Dillinger was a way for us to make the music that encompassed all those things that we loved. Um, and instead of creating a band that had different styles that were put together, like some of the bands we had that were starting to do that kind of innovative stuff at the time where it'd be like, here's a rap part, here's a metal part, here's a jazz part, here's a whatever. Mm. We wanted to take all our verses, put it into a blender and make a new sound out of it. So yeah. we weren't going to be like, here's the Latin part. We'd be like, no, let's play our version of a grindcore Latin rhythm. You know what I mean? Like, how are yeah. we going to make this Latin rhythm that we think is really interesting super pummeling? You know, how are we going to do that? Yeah. How are we going to take these jazz chords and, like, scales and make them freaking so punk 
you know, and, and in your face. Like, how are we going to do that? Like, that's what we wanted to do. Yeah, because they're the antithesis of each other, especially like, I mean, not ideologically, I guess. I mean, punk and, and, and a lot of jazz has a lot in common with each other, I think. Yeah. But yeah, sonically. Right. Like the whole idea of just anyone can pick up this and do this. And at the same time, you've got these guys that are, that are so advanced in, in their playing that mm. they're, they're pushing out into the realms of stuff that it seems on first listen to a lot of people are un, totally unmusical. Right. Which is, I guess, the point where they, they meet with a lot of punk stuff. Yeah. And much like a lot of the metal bands, they end up becoming kind of formulaic and things like that and going yeah. into a more commercial realm because they want to actually make some money and stuff like that. And a lot of those jazz guys ended up going into like smooth jazz and mm. commercialized stuff on, you know, and basically elevator music from being really innovative bebop players, you know. Yeah. Uh, we didn't want to do that. We we didn't want, we could have very easily just made a new metal record and signed to a major and there you go. I mm. mean, it's not like we didn't have that ability. We were in like the New York area and um, we had the ability to make those albums. All those bands were praising us at the time. Yeah. You know, these bands that were very big doing kind of more of the new metal type of stuff were, were getting into Dillinger and that was kind of how we started to make it because all these big bands, System of Downs and Papa Roaches and all these stuff mm. were talking about us in interviews and that was like really interesting and weird because we didn't even, I didn't even hear those. I didn't know what those bands sounded like. Yeah. I didn't know what System of, I'd never heard System of a Down um, when they asked us to go on tour. Yeah. Obviously they became very versed in it on tour. Yeah. You know, songs became like, <laughs> couldn't stop think, hearing them, you know, like I like yeah. I became a fan afterwards. But I was so against anything, I, I, I didn't know anything that was going on in the mainstream world at all, you know. Because you're saying about the jazz thing as well, because I think that's something that, that really comes through on this record a lot more than, not that it hasn't before, but it just seems a lot more, not obvious, because I don't mean it sound like that, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. The, the jazz feeling in like, sorry, let me, yeah. Definitely, there was like in that song, like in that song, <laughs> with the stuff, with the noise and the beats. Yeah, because I, you know. Yeah, no, there is one like, song particularly I know you're talking about where we go into this really like yeah, obvious it, fusion part and stuff it, like uh, that. I don't know the names of our songs yet, so. Yes, you do. Surrogate. Oh right. You know. Yeah. Like that has, you know, and that's it. Just blows my mind that it's always these bits that are almost like Aphex and Orteca, but like played as uh, in such an aggressive but metal way, which is funny because I think a lot of those dudes probably grew up on metal and then kind of thought that it was formulaic as well, but then the way forward that they would push those influences would be through like glitching electronica yeah. and stuff. And I think it's funny that, that, you, that you've, you've run in a very much the same parallel. Trajectory, yeah. Yeah, but done it through through actual playing. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, like, I was just listening to all these kind of, like, Aphex Twin and Square Pusher and Mission mm. Snare and all that stuff while writing Calculating Infinity and stuff like that. So those kind of things that seemed almost random, those kind of rhythms and things that sounded almost random but made some kind of a sense to at least the person that was creating it mm. was a huge influence on that, that album, you know, and, and the style that ended up being kind of, like, the Dillinger vocabulary. Yeah. And you said that this record was a bit more going back to that stuff as well. Like, well, yeah, yeah. I, I, we. Which I, mean, I, I guess I don't know when when I first like when you said that to me a long time ago, like when we were speaking before mm. I'd heard the record, you were like, "Yeah, it's more punk, and it, it feels a lot more like like that first record." And I was like, "So that was my sort of what I had yeah, as a preconception head, when right. I listened to it." And I, I see what you're saying, and I but I guess that's because you've come at it sort of from that mindset, maybe, and yeah. But it hasn't come off sounding like that. Yeah, well, you know it's fun. yeah, I realize that now. Like when I've said stuff like that, because uh, other people are listening to it in a different way than I am. So mm. um, I feel like more like the approach and the headspace was similar, yeah. but not necessarily the songs. You know, um, so for instance, like our first album, Calculate Infinity, was was created in a very difficult personal time. Our guitar player that was in the band left. Our bass player was in a horrible accident, leaving him paralyzed. Yeah. Um, there was all kinds of pressure within at least our small subculture to provide to produce something, you know, challenging and incredible because our EPs that we put out previously were really like critically acclaimed in that world, and um, so like a lot of people were like, "How is this going to work on a full album? Can they spread this over many? You know, what's this going to be like? Is it going to push the boundaries?" 
Um, are they going to sell out? <laughs> Whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of pressure. And uh, we had very little resources to make the album. We did it in any way we could. Some of it was uh, done on like weird samplers and things like that that were like at that time pretty like analog and stuff like that. There was mm. like USB, <laughs> um, you know, and some of it was done in the studio. It was all mostly all done to tape. There was no computers. There's no cutting and pasting or moving or anything like that. Yeah. Um, we had only about two weeks to do it and a few grand to get a whole thing done. We did some at uh, like home studios. We just did, ran into someone's house and did like a solo, put it onto like ADAT tape, and then had to yeah to like transfer that to a tape machine and blend it. It was really kind of a mess, you know. But we made it happen and we stepped up and we we figured it out and. Um, there was a lot of complications at this time. Personally, we were in a really weird place when we were making this album. Um, we recorded it in about five different studios with like five different people having yeah. their hands on it, which was completely different to all the albums in between calculating. How so? Why, so? why was that? What was different about no, it? Or why, why, why did we do it why differently? Do that way? Part of it was intentional. Part of it was we had no choice. Things just didn't line up timing and things like that. Hmm. Um, and also, this was also a time of like emotional maturity and maturity and trust in ourselves that like it's not about anybody else's schedules anymore. Like this is our band. Hmm. And um, not that like they're lucky to work with us, but it's like, you know, it's been very hard for us as completely independent people and band, as, a, as a band and individuals to have to like work in other people's schedules or in their way and so making the albums have always been the the time when that's most relevant because we're on typically we're on someone else's label um we were working in someone else's studio with their schedule when they were available mm. and the time frame they had like um so this time i particularly was kind of like really needed to become uh, i think really we all going into this record became independent individually and then went into the album going in together um feeling confident in ourselves individually so like i i was like look oh you're not available to do this now you went over with your last band cool i'm gonna do it just yeah. went into the studio nearby and just did it started recording you know and yeah oh you're you only have this amount of time to do this and greg's not ready and your time's up okay we'll just go with somebody else like we had confidence in ourselves yeah and well, so, yeah, um, I, I, I think, yeah, rightly so at this point, man. Yeah. And and you've seemed to have been, I mean, you've driven this band since day one anyway. And having had previous conversations with you about the way you write and, and demo to a certain level anyway. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, we our devils are like, you know, considered, are probably like as well produced as some people's albums, you know. Um, yeah. Because we really want to know. I really want to sit in my car and hear that stuff and like feel it and see how it's coming off before uh even going to that next step hmm. when do you know that you're you're done with stuff because like i imagine i don't know like any and in any kind of music or any kind of art you're always constantly second guessing everything aren't you especially when you get really close to it yeah well this one was actually interesting because i wasn't second guessing it but everybody else was okay like this one particularly was that prior to the whole this is going to be our last album. So. Uh, I started the majority of working on this um, before that decision had been made. But um, like Liam, our bass player, and Greg didn't get the music until after that decision was made. Hmm. So that was an interesting. Um, but no, I, I, I uh, do you think that would that changed the way that they looked at it and, and worked on it with that in because you know if we're if we're you know talking straight like we've we've mm -hmm. had conversations before and the whole thing about you know we can't we can't do this forever yeah you know there's a physicality involved especially when it comes to playing it live yeah. do you think that like when you when you said that for a start i don't want this to turn into that yeah. conversation too much but do you think that changed the way that they approached it um I think Liam just always tries to up himself, like personally, on his yeah. skill level and his ability. I think he's always challenging himself to go in the studio more prepared than the last time. Hmm. You know, having to do less takes than he had to do the time before, impressing our producer more than he did the time before. He's very like um, technique-wise, he's very conscious about working on technique and things like that, hmm. uh, and being prepared every single time he's working on more, being prepared more and more and more, practicing to the songs, playing to the songs. You know, I go into it full, just 
artistically. Like I don't even care if I can play it. I just want to make sure it feels good. It feels right. Yeah. I'll figure that out later. Um, and then Greg hears typically the album almost completely finished. Yeah. And then it has so to he, react to it. Yeah, he's writing lyrics as a reaction. To right, that as music. a reaction to this stuff that's like pummeling, you know, <laughs> yeah. in a lot of ways. So um, all those things play a factor. I, I don't know. I, I, I assume that the knowledge of this being kind of the last did affect his um, writing on it, you know. Mm. Um, it must have. had to have. Um, yeah, because it's, overall, it's, it's, I mean, not that everything was like, you know, a beautiful sunny day anyway. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? It's really dark record. Yeah, for, Lyrically is, yeah. and sonically. So I guess, I mean, if you're reacting to something uh, on, a, on a gut level, when somebody hands you a, mm-hmm. a piece of music and goes, yeah. go and do your job on yeah. this bit now. Like, it's going to be, of course, that's going to set the tone. You're not going to write in yeah. a certain manner if it's, if the music is te- is dictating yeah, well, another vibe. Anyway, I think but the most interesting thing about our band is that I think all, like all bands have the most difficult relationship issues mm. ever, yeah. internally, externally. I mean, you're in a situation, when you're an active live busy working band that does it full-time like us and we've done it a really long time full-time you're basically in a scenario where your personal relationships and home life is is in shambles like it's impossible to set up a solid base at home you know our relationships at home our lives at home even as simple as you come home to a stack of bills that are now 100 months late and you probably have to show up in court for something you don't even understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything is just out of whack when you're a touring musician like we are yeah. and you don't have like business managers paying your bills and all the crap that like these massive major label artists have where they don't, they're just pulled around by their dicks, you know, like told what to do and they come yeah. home and there's someone cooking for them. Like we literally are regularly working musicians who don't come home every night after work, you know? Mm. And so we have this scenario where our home lives are never like nurtured in the way that they, to, to be healthy. And then here we are in a relationship with people who all have very different lives and where every decision we make individually affects the other person so drastically. So it's a highly anxious scenario to be in. And I, uh, for one, I mean, this is the, kind of the climax of that because I needed to be in a place where I knew I could live without this man you know to be healthy yeah. um, I needed to be able to say it's okay if it doesn't exist I'm more than just this man and it's okay if somebody in the band doesn't want to do this or does something else or does something annoying or doesn't you know get something done in the time we need it doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter uh, my life exists life goes on so I had to be able to create a life outside of that to be able to feel that. Uh, so this album was both going into that with that idea that like, all right, we're doing this because we want to do it. We know there's an end to it. We can play as many shows as we want, but like this is it. And it gives it meaning. It gives this whole thing meaning. It, it, everything, the music, the shows, everything has meaning because we know this isn't the same cycle over and over again, over yeah. and over again, where we're just like struggling to to p- deliver this art that we are really proud of in a really difficult personal scenario. Um, so, and, and then on top of that, like I think lyrically it's very interesting and musically it's very interesting because musically the music was started in a place where I felt very controlled by Greg's actions because all I had was this band. Like my personal life had fell apart completely yeah. and Greg has felt that way about me too. But then here I am telling Greg I'm done go make a record so he had to be very reactive to that i'm assuming because uh, initially he didn't he didn't want it to be the case you know yeah and i was like i just think this is the way to do it this is the the smart powerful bold way to do this we got to do this right we can't we got to do it on our terms we can't let someone else decide this for us so i think you know i was creating music under this scenario where i felt uh kind of trapped by this band which creates a certain kind of anxiety in the music in a certain situation. Yeah. He was writing lyrics feeling like someone just contr- took away from him, you know, like some, his all he had really, you know, um, yeah. and he hadn't now learned to get into the same headspace that I was at, you know, he had no choice. And he, he has, I think he realizes like this is a really powerful way to go out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there was definitely some of that affecting the album. Yeah, I think you can hear that definitely. When did you decide that that was what this was going to be? Like what? What was was there like a thing where you were like, "Fuck it, this is it." I'm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely we had played in Mexico City, uh, and I 
taken two days after that to go sit on a beach somewhere and I'd never done that in years like I didn't you know not been in a band scenario and actually travel mm. and did something like sat somewhere on a beach you know mm. it was crazy you know I was just like I was thinking to myself you know this isn't healthy to be so reliant on on other people for my happiness and my you know my business my you know my, my financial situation my art um, I'm love the music we do i love the shows everything's super real about them but everything around it just kind of sucks it's the mm. same thing for 20 years basically yeah it never changes like i just do this cycle over and over and over i get home from tour and everyone's working and hanging out with their families and i'm like anybody want to go get lunch no i work bro you know like yeah. and then you got to go do it again and you're gone you know and whatever you've built over the few months or years that you're working on this album now just falls apart because you're gone yeah. So it, 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 I was like, I, I don't want that to be the case anymore. It's boring. Hmm. It's, it's fucking boring. So how do I change that? And it just hit me. You got to change. I got to change what I do. Hmm. I got to put myself back in an uncomfortable scenario to let new things happen. So it just came to me. I was like, this should end. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Like, I don't feel like it's ending. There's no reason for it to end. There, we're not, the shows aren't getting smaller. The music isn't, you know, the music still feels real and important. Yeah. The sh everything, we perform at the highest level, at a super high level right now. Hmm. So let's stop. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's a very powerful thing to do. And yeah. It's got to be pretty liberating as well. It is. And it's it's really interesting. to well, Knowing that and then finally having it come out like in an interview. Yeah. When it was out in the public, it was freaky. It was super freaky. That was like it was real when, when it was out. You know? Yeah, because was, this has been real. your life, hasn't it? Yeah, super real. Do you think like doing the GTO thing has had, had any way like influenced that in the sense that you, you've gone – well, hang on a minute. I can I can make music and I can still be creative and, f and f feel fulfilled without without the like the con not the constraints, but within the, the right. this band. Do you uh, think that's had something to do with it, or is that just a no? Is that just another thing as well? No, no, no. Uh, definitely. I, I think if anything, it just reminded me that all bands are difficult. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like logistically everything. Like you know, yeah, there's no easy way to be in a band <laughs> with a bunch of people and yeah. it almost made me feel more um understanding of dillinger you know maybe really analyze dillinger in a new way to yeah. be in another band with another group of people especially when they're all obviously in the same situation where they're all in other bands yeah 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 i mean we've all been in scenarios where in our bands that have been difficult or challenging um and uh, we're all seasoned musicians who play for yeah. a living and it's not a super group to me. It's a bunch of dudes who are experienced, you know, that yeah. I happen to be around often. So yeah, I think that yeah. super group gets bandied around. And it's yeah, like, yeah, it's such a weird thing because then it auto automatically sets those parameters up. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's an expectations. Yeah, but it's funny, isn't it? Because people kind of forget that if you're playing in at a certain level, and you know, without blowing smoke up your ass, you know, look at how respected you you and your band is, right? Because you've got people, not just other musicians wanting to work with you, but people like, like Patton, people like Trent Reznor, that are total innovators as well, and they've recognised that within you and this band. So therefore, it's like, well, 
when as soon as you're moving in those circles you're hanging out with other people and you go oh yeah let's do something else of course it's going to end up that they're going to be dudes that are of similar standing right you know yeah you know of I mean? course and that that's something i don't think people realize that there's a reality to it's almost like people expect you to have sat there like and with, like, with a who's piece my of paper. ultimate group and yeah like yeah a baseball like like you know yeah fantasy f- baseball league or something. yeah yeah no like literally me and brent have been friends for 16 years yeah and uh we've always wanted to play together and we've just had to find the time and then he had a couple guys he liked to play with. I had a couple guys I liked to play with. We all got in a room. Some of it didn't work out. Mm. We got some new guys. We jammed or whatever. The music was, eh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And then finally, the great group of people got in our room, and it worked. It wasn't the initial people that we thought we'd work with. It yeah. wasn't the people that necessarily, if we had our super group, we'd pick. It was just the right people opened up, worked out. Brent ran into William in the supermarket. You know what I mean? He he asked, "How's that project you're doing?" That you know, and he's like, "Oh, it's pretty cool. We don't really have a singer. You want to do it?" And he's like, "Oh, let me hear that. Oh, well, that's cool. I have ideas." You know, um, you know, Pete is someone that uh, like a lot of people don't know him on bass. He's one of the best bass players I've ever heard. You know, and um, yeah, he he was never in some massive band or like you know, yeah. he's it was just right. He was right for the project. You know, yeah. and uh, and then Brent and Thomas had always talked about jamming together. So he's like, Thomas, come over. You're in L.A. We're recording in California. Come to the studio. And it just, it worked. It yeah. happened, you know. What do you see happening with that, like, as far as touring and stuff goes? Because you're doing the show at Reading and Leeds. Yeah. Which I'm stoked about. Yeah, that's really scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's fun. I'd like to keep doing it and making no music. And uh, yeah. it's not like a, repl- a replacement for Dillinger. It's not like no, Dillinger's ending, not. so that can become my band, you know? No, no, I, like, I get that. That's not what I was getting yeah. at. But I, I just kind of look at it that, well, this is a great record. It doesn't have to just be one, does it? Yeah. No, I think we all were really happy with how it came out. Yeah. That it doesn't just sound like something you do in the time you have off. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on this and a long time on this album. And we didn't put it out. We have tons of songs. We didn't put it out till it felt like a real piece of work on its own yeah. and something that we felt was a sound that encompassed all of us and made sense. So, yeah, the, it, we should most definitely will probably be continuing to make music and yeah. play some more shows and see where it leads us. Yeah, because I think that's the other thing is that it's like as soon as you, you kind of put a statement out there that, that a band that you've, you know, that you've, you've started and run and, and, and pushed forward it's not saying that I'm retiring from music. Yeah, yeah. I might. <laughs> you think? I might disappear. I might go disappear. Yeah, but that's not like, you know, yeah, f- you're not going to stop making music. No, 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 no. I'll be making music not. in some shed somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but would you would you be satisfied doing that, do you think? Yeah. Would you? I don't know. I don't know. That's some. That's the biggest mystery. You know, I'm a Leo. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. used to a certain amount of attention and, and like, you know, extroversion and like, you know, yeah, no, but I'm also someone who's very conscious of being humble and not, and being grounded and centered. Uh, ego is a very interesting thing to me Mm. and I dance with it frequently Mm. and I'm aware of it and conscious of it and interested by it. Um, and I think, uh, uh, you're in a similar situation where you're somebody who has a certain amount of notoriety and like Mm. visibility with people. Um, but you're also a real artist who cares about making art and you're interested in real art and you're interested in um, when you make something, I know you, when you make something, you're stoked when you just make it and look at it, not by necessarily what someone thinks of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. however, your your money, your existence, everything relies on people digging what you do to some degree. Yeah. So it's data, it's information. So you need people to kind of like, oh, Daniel Carter, bow, bow, in order for you to keep really doing this in a way. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a tough yeah, scenario. I mean, hmm. And yeah. uh, one thing that real artists have, that non-real artists have, is the understanding that it's a high responsibility to create something for the right reasons. Yeah. Because you're a parent to what you're putting out there. And if you don't do it for the right reasons, it's going to be an asshole. You know what I mean? And yeah. It's not going to be good. It's not going to do any good for the world if hmm. you don't raise it right and you don't do it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, so if you're not doing it out of love, it's just going to be a mess. It's not going to be right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah. It's for the wrong reasons. It's out there for the wrong reasons. And yeah. so, um, like, and that's, will always o- overpower ego. Like, you know, the, the thing you love being more important than even yourself. 
Yeah. And it's and and only people who know that will ever understand what it's like to to like kind of have something more important than your ego. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's not a thing about like it's not like an insult to people. It's like everyone has ego. You yeah. can't get rid of it. It doesn't go away. Even if you're a kind person, you do charity, all those things, your ego's still there. You're still yeah. facing it. You know, and whether it takes charge of you or not, that's another story. But mm. it's there. Mm. You know, and, and I'm sure you know what it's like to see your kid walk towards the street near a car and without thinking, without even breathing, you jump and grab him and if you got hit, you got hit. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's the only time you lose your ego, ever, ever. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people don't know what that's like. So yeah. I like to try to know what that's like with my art and with my loved ones and things like that. And so will I continue to want to have that feeling? Yeah. Do I need it to be in front of people? Do I need to be in front of a crowd? Do I need critics? Do I need people on a message board talking about me? Mm. I will admit it will be hard to just be Ben and not Ben Dillinger. And I don't know how hard that'll be, mm. but I'm going to find out. We've spoken enough that that I know how how smart you are on a business level and how you you have all these ideas for things outside of the band as well. Mm. So that's you know that's a whole world of opportunity where you'll be able to focus effort and and direct towards that. I think which which will be a beautiful thing. But then also, like I said, you know you've got people like you know you've worked with Mike Patton, you've worked with Trent Reznor. Wow. <laughs> Hung I out, was, I was, I was <laughs> hung thinking, out with these people at the very least. I got some ideas about your new album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you're in you're in a great position because you've established yourself. I think all of you have. I don't mean this. No, to just, of course. Just, I yeah, mean, no. You know, this yeah, is me all... just speaking to you, but I mean, you know, as a group of people, you've all. Well, that's that. also part of why I think it's a good idea to, to close the door right now because we I think are in a respected position and I think it's a respectable thing to do so yeah um, yeah better to go out being that band where everyone's like fuck yeah than right absolutely yeah absolutely yeah I think it's pretty heroic actually thank you sir to, to, I agree to, <laughs> honestly to, yeah, it's not easy it's not an yeah, easy it's thing not to at do all, but also I don't yeah. know about heroic, but it's 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 it's. I think it is it's to a, a degree. Move. Yeah, you know, it is, it's a brave. It's a brave. Anybody that that's because prepared it's, to, to to like yeah. take something that they've known. Yeah, and and not taking it for granted, but this is you know this is what I'm known for. This is what I do. This is how I pay my bills or attempt yeah. to pay my bills, regardless. Yeah. You know, sure. I don't know the situation, but you know what I mean. Yeah. To then go, okay, well, boom, goodbye. Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult. It's freaky. Completely free. Every like I say, I keep saying to people like, ninety nine percent of the people in my phone book know me from Dillinger. Yeah. Like, well, of so course, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that's how you traveled the world, right? So I'm at the point now where my identity is heavily entwined with Dillinger Escape Plan. So to remove that is very, very I, yeah. Uh, I well, I think interesting that that's, scenario. <laughs> yeah, but I think that that's also from a from a perspective of like people that don't know you will be like, oh Ben from Dillinger. Whereas I think everyone that that is a friend, mm. you know, I don't go, I'm, I'm going to call Ben from Dylan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right? Well, hopefully, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see who's... <laughs> <laughs> About for you. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, man. Cool. Have you, like, I mean, have you had, like, a sit-down discussion with everyone about it? The band themselves? Uh, about ending? Yeah. Well, or is it or is it just like everyone's kind of it's do you know what I mean like because it is what's going on next or discuss like the sit down of like deciding this no like just like just a general cuz you know that whole thing about oh being in a band is like a marriage and, right right and it, it is like what a relationship will be post yeah no i mean uh, i think there's two interesting things about this this may be the only opportunity for us to truly be real friends because, like, we have no agenda with yeah. each other. There's no agenda. Like, we can truly just be interested in each other's lives without thinking, like, how is this thing this person is doing or isn't doing going to affect my livelihood, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's a really cool idea, the fact that... How much of that um, has existed in the past, then? It's in, in avo unavoidable. Yeah, you know? of course. It's unavoidable. Like, um, so, yeah. like I said, when all you when your whole existence relies on this thing that four or five people control by their actions or decisions it's really scary <laughs> yeah. um and so that will be gone that the whole scenario scenario um but then ultimately also we may never talk again there'll be no reason 
So it's funny it, we'll isn't see. It? because like we'll see. Yeah. Because having been in a situation where I played in a band for um well for a long time, not mm. as long not as long as, as you have. But um yeah, I, and and then I always thought like, oh, I, you know, I'm so close to these guys and I'm in constant close proximity and touring is such an like an insular little world where mm. you're just in each other's company yeah. all the time. Yeah, there are times where everybody drives each other crazy, but but I was like, well, I'm always going to be friends with these guys. Yeah. But um, you know, when that when that band finished, two of the dudes like moved super close to where I live as and well. And you end up seeing each other a lot? No. Oh, you don't? No. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Like I yeah, moved I moved outside of London to kind of get away from it all yeah right yeah and then and then a couple of the dudes moved there as well <laughs> and to the point where we were i can like walk around their houses and in 10 minutes never see each other that's crazy. Hard, rarely Isn't speak. That funny how that happens yeah but it doesn't it's not like intentional yeah and there's yeah. not hard feelings and right. it, it's like you know as soon as any of us meet up again it's like no time uh, yeah passed. it's like life happens yeah. Mm. yeah yeah who knows we all live in different states um, yeah so I mean our guitar player Kevin and myself are like best friends and we do Party Smasher studio together and we live close to each other and yeah. our girlfriends are friends and so I'm sure that will you know continue but he's not a long time member of the band he's kind of just on for this cycle yeah so this is all new for him um, and I'm just glad to be able to go through it with one of my best friends right now yeah so but it, so it's a little different than, than the other guys who uh, we've been through so much together and live in completely different places and have different lifestyles so yeah but and you are so very different as well and i think that's one of the reasons that, that it works within this band definitely yeah but like what are you what's gonna what are you looking forward to do, cracking on with aside from actually having a personal life like on, on a on a creative level because you know obviously party smashes this yeah. is this multi-platform thing which you know if people don't know about it, it's you know it's 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 a label it's a website it's it's a it's beyond that that mm. you know you want it to be this um network of creative people right. that, that stretches across the world and and it so that rather than just being affiliated with it people are working together on projects absolutely and, which which i think is incredible so what's going to happen with that well what's one of the reasons that i feel like this needs to have an ending point because I've never been able to fully nurture all these other things that I feel passionate about because yeah. I leave, you know. So while I can do some of it from the road and I could talk about it and I do some of it, I really want to be able to put the same energy that I've put into Dillinger into some other things. So that's a big part of this as well. Yeah. Do you think it'll be, it'll be, uh, no, it will be gratifying obviously, but mm -hmm. in, a, in a different way. But how, how do you see it? Well, for one thing, uh, Honestly, uh, I, I've grown so much since uh, One of Us is the Killer, that album, to now. Yeah. A whole new level of emotional intelligence, whole new level of like self-realization. Um, and basically, since I've gotten done that and worked on myself and all this stuff, I've been able to achieve everything I ever set my mind to. And it's really exciting. Hmm. Uh, you know, I wanted to do the label thing. You know, I was working on it forever, trying to find the right partners. Knocked it out, got it done. Very happy with it, going yeah. very well. Um, you know. Yeah, because a, a lot of people, when hearing you talk about that, will probably think you just meant within regards of like releasing records yeah. for yourself, but it's not that. No, no. Be because you're looking at it, you know, you want to, in a very old fashioned way, yeah, actually, yeah, put out great art and help people that that need that help. Sure. And the idea was to be able to have resources to do albums that uh, are meaningful and that will bring attention to the rest of the roster. Yeah. So it's not just being able to put out a 7-inch of a friend. It's being able to put out a 7-inch of a friend, put out my own music, maybe put out a band that's much much bigger that you know doesn't like their scenario where they're at and wants more independence and wants to be part of a culture. Mm. Uh, so I'll need the resources to do that as well. So... I really spent a lot of time, many years even, to find the right partners and people that can help support this idea. Um, so we feel very happy. Um, and Cooking Vinyl is the, the company that stepped up to help me do it in the way yeah. that I want to do it. Um, I like one of the biggest independent labels in the world, and um, they didn't have much of a presence in the U.S., so uh, me and my projects for Party Smasher 
became kind of the first real things that we worked on together and in the United States as like a real, you know, launching point for, for the United States and what they were doing. So, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It's real exciting. And um, so, yeah, that's a big part of it. The media stuff, I'm um, doing some management and stuff like that. That's really starting to take up a lot of my time. Hmm. So, And what about um, like writing with other people as well because that's something that yeah you've done but and which and it and is so beyond what you do in this not beyond but different from what you do in this world as well mm. like people wouldn't expect you to be doing the stuff like you've done with um with kimbra yeah that's her right now blowing me up right <laughs> well there, there you go it's like um yeah i'm actually working with her on a management level now so okay. it went from creative to actually like full-on working on her next level of of existence you know like yeah. taking her to the next level and trying to nurture what she started and, and try to make sure it's fully realized uh we just connected artistically and um she needed people around her that could help guide her uh, and navigate all the business and creativity in a way that she felt was uh representative of who she is so mm. that's been really interesting for me coming yeah. from where i come from you know <laughs> yeah of course because you know to come from a from a background that's so fiercely independent mm. and, and creatively driven yeah but you you've got a smart business mind as well clearly well it, it's it's I, I think you know it'll stand you in good stead yeah i mean i certainly am coming from a position of knowledge of of how this all works and dealing with like kind of major label people and all that stuff and some of the it, it, some of the things that come through my inbox, you know, with her are very different than with Dillinger or something like that. Yeah. So it's very interesting, but I find that like the way of handling is no different, you know, um, Mm. know what you're worth, know what you're worth, meaning in both sense, don't, don't, don't act like you're bigger than you are. Like, no, it's time to like say, okay. And also, but, but fight for what you're worth and what you mean. And, um, and, uh, treat people with respect and, um, be honorable and uh just like be relentless you know about what you care about and and that's all it really takes (laughs) (laughs) like yeah like that's an easy thing yeah when when you're approaching like when you were writing with her and stuff how was that like because it's such a different world yeah was did you did you have a different approach to writing because i remember you telling me once when you did a Ah, uh, what was it? You did like a like a seminar thing for mm-hmm. was it for reason or something? When you yeah, were yeah. telling me about when you were writing and and you know your approach to to writing certain rhythms and patterns and stuff, you which you would write at a certain speed and then you would speed it right up and then the I remember you saying so that you were giving this demonstration and and you was like so then I then I want to speed up to this this point yeah. and people were like yeah but that's not actually going to be playable yeah and then you were like no no this this is how it sounds when we recorded it as a band and yeah stuff. Uh-huh. Which, so so that that is so then so different from from writing uh right. in a in a yeah in a pop sense right in a pop yeah, sense yeah. that often sounds like um like they, like it could give the implication that it would be cheap and i don't mean that yeah that well look i mean the thing that's difficult about doing pop music or more marketable music or music that's not as extreme than um, people are used to hearing me do yeah is to do it in a way that's providing something different but still like palatable that's a challenge you know yeah. that's a challenge to say this is going to be this doesn't have to be as dense as some music I do normally, or it doesn't have to be, you know, vocals are more important, hooks are more important, but how do you make something that sounds like it has your touch to it, but still appeal to that kind of an audience? And that's not easy. And that's something that she's been very good at. And um, even that Gautier track that people know her for, that like somebody I used to know, whatever, yeah. that was a very untraditional single. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, it sounded stingish and stuff like that, but... It didn't have the same amount of choruses a normal song on the radio has. The chorus didn't come in at the time. A chorus usually comes in. You know, it didn't have a beat that was really tappable <laughs> with your foot. It was yeah. very untraditional for a single. And it was one of the biggest songs in the last five years ever. Yeah. Um, Do you think so that... So uh, that, even that in itself shows that uh, there's room in this time period for for that kind of creativity. And that last Beyonce record, I think, was a really yeah. creative re- album, and she opened a lot of doors for people like Kimber, I think, to say, 
you know, some of those beats and things like that are very untraditional and cool and sloppy and saucy and yeah. greasy and like soulful and <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, and uh, I think that, that yeah, I think that that level of artistry is coming through now when you've got people that are really forging ahead, like you said, like and like. I mean, look at the last Kendrick album. Exactly. Exactly. Like what an incredible piece of work where it's just like so dense. Yeah. So, so musical. Yeah. The musicianship, the, the people he had on that album, hmm. the bands, like, yeah, that Kendrick Lamar record opened up some doors for sure, and yeah. uh, amazing, yeah. And Kimber's worked with a lot of those guys that were he's worked with on those albums, and she's worked with Bilal, that R and B yeah. singer that people know a lot, and she works with the Roots constantly, and she's going out to Minneapolis to do this whole Prince thing with uh, the Revolution. Wow! So she's singing songs with the Revolution, Prince songs at at, um, at the the club where they filmed purple rain um wow so she's in a circle that's certainly it's an, it's an interesting place where she's at and it's yeah it's really up my wheelhouse for sure because it's credible but it also opens up new doors yeah and how are you finding moving in that world it's difficult uh in one respect because uh i'm my job is to to kind of like <laughs> just answer email and, and deal with every you know like I'm used to being completely meticulous about my music and being yeah. like every detail now I'm with somebody who's so meticulous about everything they do and I have to be the guy who says sometimes stop being meticulous we gotta get this going we gotta move forward with this you yeah. know like you're going too far you can't change that this is not how it works it's gotta go and we gotta make Warner happy if they don't support it we have no album mm. you know so it's this interesting balance for me alright cool I think I just see a breast in a window. So, <laughs> all right. I think that might may well okay. be us wrapping it up. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you for Thank that. Yeah. I think that was a lot. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Swim Podcast, episode number 15. I hope you enjoyed it. At times, these can sometimes feel a little bit like therapy, which I think is. Uh, one of the reasons I enjoy doing them. Um, I hope you enjoyed it too. Remember to subscribe. Remember also that you could leave us a five-star review and a nice little message on iTunes, and that would be awesome and much appreciated. Uh, next episode is going to be with Ross Robinson, which I did when I was in Los Angeles recently. Those of you that aren't aware, Ross is a record producer who's made some truly incredible records that have helped define the genre of heavy music. So it's a really good one, actually. And we, well, you'll hear next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ross Robinson. Thanks for listening. I'm out. Peace.